0: Well, we're going to pray and we're going to pray for leaders. It's something that we do, um, on a, on a regular basis. And you know what? We have a show called Return to Reason, where I interview people across the country, um, uh, members of parliament, scientists, lawyers. And we've been doing this now for, uh, I think well over six months to a year. And then I'm chatting with them, you know, when the, when the cameras are turned off and I've got them on Zoom, we'll start to talk about Canada. We'll stop, start to talk about what's going on. And I'm telling you, there are incredible things going on behind the scenes for this nation. And so you keep praying. You keep <laughs> believing God. <clears throat> what I love about our nation is that we have a justice system, a political system, a business system, uh, etc., that we can bring change to. Thank God we're not living in a, in a despot or in a, in a country where, you know, we don't have the freedoms we have to rise up and to vote and to send things in. You don't need to get illegal in our country. You just get up and just be a citizen and use your citizens' rights. And if a nation will do that, incredible things will happen. Father, we pray for Canada. We ask your hand on this nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray, Father, political, business, health care, education. Father, we ask for leaders who stand for freedom, who stand for justice. And Father, raise them up, change their hearts. Let all the new leaders rising up in the wings, Father, I pray that you'd have the right ones for a future, for the future of this great nation. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. To learn more about this program that we're doing which is a pure news program and in every session I'll give you an opinion as to what I'm, what I'm seeing as I meet and talk with so many of these great leaders and, and people. Uh, you'll get an opinion piece from me as well. So you just go to Return returntoreason.tv and to tell your friends about it. It's not a preachy show. It basically is a news uh, opinion information piece that I think you'll be a real blessing in your life. I want to talk to you about something today that I hope jolts you. I hope, you know, in some cases, maybe drop kicks you to the goalposts of life. Because in Luke chapter 17, I'm going to bring you a teaching about faith. I'm a pastor who takes his job seriously. My wife would agree, my kids would agree, my staff would agree that I am all in. Everything I do is with everything that I've got. And my purpose as a five-fold ministry gift placed in by Christ is to train you and equip you, make the most incredible you I could possibly do with the word of God. And so I get a lot of questions. I field a lot of issues. I'm close to 40 years in pastoring And there's a story in Luke chapter 17 that I find a big issue in people's lives. Jesus is talking, and if you want Luke 17 verses 1 to 10, you get a chance to read it through this weekend. listen to this message over and over. Jesus is talking to the disciples about staying out of offense. Stay out of offense. You know, you can get offended because of what people do to you. I actually find out the reason a lot of people get offended is because of the expectations they put on you. And you need to help people manage their expectations. I get a lot of that. People have a lot of expectations on me. And, uh, you know, if it's not a part what God has called me to, I've got no problem saying, no, thanks. And they'll, they'll get upset. But Jesus is talking about not being offended because offense will shut you down. And he's saying, not only do you have to forgive someone every day, but if you have to, 70 times 7, forgive them. And the disciples had this question, uh, increase our faith. <laughs> Why? Because he's talking about a lifestyle. He's talking about something that they just, and often you'll find in the scriptures, Jesus will give them a lesson about faith. And so I'm going to go down and there's so much we could, we could dive into here. But in verse 7, Jesus says this. I'm going to read this to you because it's confusing. When I first read this, it was confusing. It didn't seem to be Christ-like at all. Here's what he says. Will any man of you who has a servant plowing and looking after sheep say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and take your place at the table? Will he not instead tell him, get my supper, gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? Then afterwards, you can eat and drink. Is he grateful and does he praise the servant? Even so, on your part, when you have done everything that was assigned and commanded you, say that we have merely done what was our duty to do. Now, that's not the way to act towards somebody. No, you can't sit down at the table. Look after me. Serve me. Come in here and... Because it's not talking about how you treat people. The question wasn't from the disciples, how do we treat others? The question was, how do we increase our faith? And Jesus is saying something very profound here. He's saying, faith is your servant. Don't let him sit down and do nothing. Don't let your faith be inactive. Don't think that if he's just sitting around, but, or just because you're learning the word, that faith is working. Get him up off the table. Get him out there plowing. Look, Get him looking after you. Not only out in your finances, in your fields, but looking after you physically, and looking after you emotionally. The, faith is something that every one of you has, and it is the servant of the believer. Issue is, are you putting him to work? You and I have been called by God to live a life of faith, believing what his word says, believing for the kind of life that, that people look at you in envy. The Bible says the word blessed is happy. Here's what the definition is. Blessed means to be happy, to be fortunate, and to be envied. But the church listens to religion. And religion says you're just a good-for-nothing, low-down, dirty ant just crawling through the mud, and 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 just you know, and you should stay poor and dumb till he comes. And, And and the church has given up its inheritance. And I don't mean everywhere, but it's just everywhere I go, I I tend to be trying to encourage the denominations of the churches. Come on, rise up. Take your place. Your place isn't crawling around like a caterpillar. It's flying like this butterfly. It's getting up and doing something with your life. And so don't, you're going to hear me say this a lot. Somebody keep saying it. I hate religion. Hate it with a passion. Why? Because religion isn't God. Religion isn't Jesus. Religion is man-made rules that are judging you and they're holding you to what they think. Do you know what? When Jesus was put on the cross, it wasn't the Romans that were responsible. It wasn't the prostitutes that put him on the cross. It wasn't the thieves that put him on the cross. It wasn't the murderers that put him on the cross. Do you know who, who put him on the cross? Religious, arrogant people. And everywhere I go, I run into them. You know, people don't have a problem with what I do as a pastor of a large church and a large ministry. But boy, talk with other Christians. What is with religious people? See, I'm not religious. I follow Christ. And I'm not interested in the judgments of others. I'm not interested in them holding me to their values and what they feel, this religiosity that destroys. Religion is just going through motions, obeying rules, trying to earn God's blessing, trying to earn God's favor. When you can't, you'll never be able to earn it. Jesus did it for you. You're required to believe that you're qualified because of him. And so you and I, we need to rise up. If we're going to change our nation, if we're going to impact our cities, then we have to get up and we have to walk out the favor and the blessing of God in such a way that world the world goes, I want what they've got. I, I want this. They don't just want some religious, judgmental, you know, obey these 630 rules and you might have a chance of making heaven you dirty, rotten, good-for-nothing sinner. I get what people are trying to say, but you, can't, you don't find Jesus talking that way. Religious people caught a woman in adultery, dragged her into public right in front of Jesus. That's what religion does. Likes to attack people at their lowest, at their most hurting. Jesus wouldn't even play their game. When it was, when their temptation to capture him was all over, he looked at her and he said, Where's your accusers? She said, There's none, Lord. They're gone. Jesus said, Neither do I accuse you. Isn't it something to serve a Jesus that'll look at you at your worst, at my worst? When things we've done might have embarrassed us and hurt us and guilt might plague us. But when you come to Jesus, he looks at you and he says, where's your accusers? doesn't matter about them anyway. Then he looks at you and says, I have no accusation. Oh, I love Jesus. (laughs) The reason I love the word is because it just shows me Jesus. Now, test... Stories in the Old Testament are for your and our admonition. And it will. they'll often be a type. And as you study a story, it'll be a type of how we live today. One of the stories that is profound in the Bible is the story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And Egypt is a type of a world, manipulated, slaves, dominated, killed, whipped, beaten, towing the line of the Egyptians. It, that's, that's what it was. And when he raised them up, he said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. A lot of the old hymns sing as though the promised land is when you get to heaven. And there's some Christians that believe that. It's like, well, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and just a, just a little gold. But in that city, one day in the sweet by and by, Well, I've got news for you. The promised land is not a type of heaven. The promised land is a type of the spirit-filled life, a person believing what Jesus has done and living it. Because there were giants in that. There's no giants in heaven to take care of. There was in the promised land. It is a type of you and I getting up and possessing the life that Jesus has died for when it comes to you and I. And as you look at this story, it's really interesting. He says to them that they're, they're walking out of Egypt, which is a type of you and I leaving our old life leaving the area of guilt and condemnation and unable to control our behavior and our beliefs and accepting this Jesus who died for us. And then on this journey, you are going into a, towards a life that is the spirit-filled life. It is the life of the promises of God. And if you don't get up and believe, then even though you're qualified, it does you nothing. And so Jesus is teaching them that faith is your servant. What do you believe? Get up and go. Did you know that in the story of the children of Israel, they got to the edge of the promised land. And all the older people, over 20, who were steeped in slavery, steeped in I'm lower than your boot sole, steeped in I deserve to be manipulated generations of slaves their attitude was still slave even though they were free reminds me of a lot of Christians I talk to no you're free why do you talk like you're a worthless piece of dung on the bottom of someone's shoe well I'm just being humble that's not humility You were made in the likeness and the image of God. He cares about you, has a plan for you. Everybody in this room and this planet, when they were in their mother's womb, he put gifts and abilities inside of you. He knew you before you were born, before the foundations of the world. And his plan for you is so incredible that in a million years, you could never live out what he's going to do in your world for just 60 years. Man, when we begin to recognize what God has called us to. But it's just that we need to believe this. So they get to the edge of the promised land, and all the older people won't go through. And then they get upset because they find out they have to work at it. We have to go in and take out giants? Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt eating bean soup. Exact quote. Let's get together and kill Moses. Exact quote. You see, when you think you're nothing and there's no hope and, and and there's no future for you, people get bitter. People get yuck. But when you believe that God's made a way, that the things ahead of you are going to be good, when you believe and have faith, it does something to you. But... They wouldn't. So God says to Moses, just turn this group of 2 million people around and take them back into the desert. Uh, He said, I'm not taking the adults in. I can't. You see, for God to move, it requires believing. Faith without works is dead. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our prayer. Nope. Even our God. Nope. What is it? It's even our faith. God's already done it. He required this faith. And so he said, take them back out into the, into the desert and we'll take their kids in. Everybody under the age of 20 was marked by God, all of their children. I'll take them in. For the next 40 years, there was a lot of funerals. They walked in circles around the desert until all the unbelief and those who would not get up and listen to God, believe God, died off. What do you think 40 years required of Moses and Joshua and Caleb? They were teaching these kids, you are not slaves. You are the apple of his eye. You are not downtrodden. You are more than conquerors. You are not something that the the world can laugh at. You are the people of God called by his name, called to rise up and to lead. This is what they taught them. Forty years they trained these kids as to who they are in a new identity, slave gone, more than a conqueror, the apple of God's eye. They got to the edge of the promised land and they went in. <laughs> you see, you and I, we've got to make decisions. You go ahead and keep Kind of wallowing around in your guilt and wallowing around in your old life. Some people, the enemy, he compromises their future by keeping them stuck in their guilt and their shame. Walk this out and get rid of it. Others, he keeps compromising them by keeping them in their behavior that is costing them so much. And, and he's telling you and I, get up and, and believe in who you are and rise up and go forth. People will tell me, well, you know, Leon, one day I sure hope I've got your faith and I can live in that promised land. Well, I got good news for you. Did you know that even on the way to the promised land there were miracles? You see, when you come out of your old life, which is you saying, Jesus, I want you. Come into my heart. Now you leave the kingdom of darkness, which Egypt is a type of. And now you are a born again believer and you are on a journey with Jesus. A journey to what? To this life that is the spirit filled life with all the promises qualified by Jesus for you. But even on that journey. And so let's take a look at these slaves. These slaves leave Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land as free men. They're physically free, but they're not free here. They get out of the country, and the first thing is a great big red sea. And God parts it. A wind so strong, it piles the water up and dries the mud at the bottom. They walk through, and the entire national army comes after them. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And they're taken out. 30 seconds. Bam. Wiped right out. What do you do with 2 million people in the desert? Well, I mean, how do you even carry their clothes? When Sally and I go on a trip, I go, half a suitcase and she's got four. (laughs) Not true. Sorry, Sally. (laughs) But close. What are you going to do when you got to go through the desert and you're going to have a new home? What are we going to haul for clothes? The Bible says their clothes never wore out. Wow. What are you gonna do for food? How do you take a herd of animals along to feed two million people and where's the gardens in the desert? God brought manna every morning to feed them. What are you gonna do about water? There's not even water in the desert and the odd little hole isn't gonna do. Well, he would show them and he'd say, hit that rock and I'll make a river spring out. Well, what are you gonna do about the heat? We got babies, we got toddlers, we got moms with a baby under each arm in the middle of this desert baking their skin off. Well, the Bible says there was a cloud that they followed by day. You know, some people, when they think, well, God led them with a cloud, they think about that guy who smokes and blows smoke rings, you know. <gasps> <gasps> a little smoke ring. And so Moses would get up each morning and look for a smoke ring. Oh, there it is. We'll follow it. No, these clouds covered from horizon to horizon. So two million people weren't baked alive under the hot desert sun. That's our God. And at nighttime, when the temperature cools down, the desert goes from hot to cold. What do you do? Where do you find firewood? How are you going to haul it along for 40 years? But as the nighttime came, a pillar of fire started. I wonder exactly when it would go and what would happen. I mean, you're walking through the desert, cloud covering. And the countries around, the Bible says, would see a cloud coming their way. And the fear of this group of people hit them. They'd never ever seen before in the desert. Two million people coming their way where a cloud protected them. And as the sun went down, can you imagine, I wonder what it sounded like. Because when they were led by, by a pillar of fire, it wasn't a big Flick. You know, Moses looking for the big Flick. We gotta follow the big Flick. You know, where is it? No, it was a pillar of fire, so powerful that it radiated the heat that every baby, toddler, mom and family needed to sleep during the cold desert nights. I wonder when it came on. Was it like lighting your barbecue, you know, if you forget and you try too many times? I'm guilty of this. I'm not much of a barbecue. You know, you, you flip the barbecue on and you turn the gas on, and you push the button, doesn't start. Push the button, doesn't start. Push the button, doesn't start. You know where I'm going. Then you finally push the button and the whole thing goes whoomp. Then you, go, you got a singed eyebrows. And uh, I wonder how God did that with a pillar of fire so high, it warmed up more than all of Winnipeg. There's not 2 million people in Winnipeg. Like when you begin to see the miracles God did for his people coming out of slavery in towards the promised land, clothes didn't wear out, miracle after miracle. Then they get to the promised land and the miracles don't stop. You see, the Bible says the promised land, that he was going to take them to a land that flowed with milk and honey. (laughs) If you've got a land that flows with milk, you got dairy herds, man you got cows and ranches. If you've got a land that flows with honey, then you've got flowers, you've got crops, you've got orchards, because bees are required for all of that. This country, he was bringing them to a country that was already set up. The cities were built, the houses were built, the roads were built, the ranches were built, the vineyards were built. Everything was built and ready. He was bringing them to a country that he was just giving them. When you understand the favor and the blessing of God on your life, that you need to believe in his favor, believe in the finished work of Christ, so you get up and in every area of your life, you just start to believe, I am so blessed. What does blessed mean? Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. God wants the world to look at his kids and go, I want what they've got. But most of us are still stuck in religion. Or, well, Leon, you know, I, I think you could believe for that, but you know, I don't know, things been mighty rough. Stop looking at your past and get up and look at your future. Get up and decide. This is what the word of God says. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, he's, God is talking to his people and he says, I'm bringing you to a land that it says, which drinks the water of the rain of heavens. And he says, and it's not going to be like in Egypt where you watered it with your feet. In Egypt, when they were there, they would have to haul water and irrigate every plant that they put in the ground. Then he says, where I'm taking you, I'm going to water it myself. It's going to come from the very skies above you. He says, and he goes on talking about this country. He says, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. So, Leon, you mean that God actually wants to bless us? I heard that that, that blessing teaching, that, that prosperity and, and health teaching that's out there, that it's wrong. Well, then find a church that teaches sickness and poverty. It just doesn't make sense to me that we have a God who says, yeah, get married. Not going to work. <laughs> can't be successful. There's no success in the Bible. No, start a business. You're going to go bankrupt and never have enough to feed your kids because we can't believe things would prosper. It's just how can religion get so dumb? But you see, the enemy is the one in charge of religion. Jesus doesn't start wars. Religion starts wars. What is religion? Man-made rules, man-made thinking. When you begin to recognize that this disciples look at Jesus and say, all right, if we're going to live this way, then, then, then increase our faith. And he says, put your servant to work. Put your faith to work. Start believing what I said. Do you know what was so crazy about these people who had to die in the wilderness is they watched the parting of the Red Sea. They watched an entire country's army destroyed. They watched manna appear. They watched meat appear, clouds of quail. They watched Moses hit a rock that watered two million people. It was miracle after miracle. Now, He says to them, now do something. Now go in there and possess the land. Oh, um, yeah, about that. Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt eating bean soup. Oh, suck it up. If we knew what Jesus did for our lives. Well, I know, we get to go to heaven. It's far greater than that. Heaven is the greatest for sure. Eternity is the greatest. But on this planet you are blessed and you are called to rise up and to possess what Christ has done for you. That requires how do we fight now? The Bible says in Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Don't let your faith be inactive. Is your faith producing for you? Most would say to me, I'm not sure. How do I know? It's not. It's not. Now get in the word. Find out what faith is. Find out what you have faith in. Get up and speak God's word. Get up and drown out your fears and the lies of the enemy that come at you. So Leon, you must have this aced. No, I don't. You know why? Because every time you rise up and God uses you in an area, he takes you into a new season. And that new season is going to require you to believe more. I show this to, over the years, I've used this analogy and I want to use it again faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to rise to the next level. So if we say, okay, here's where my life is right now. It's pretty good. I'm walking around at this level. But the Bible says, believe for increase. Believe to go further. And so I use my faith. I say, God, I'm going to believe for souls. I'm going to believe to increase your church. And you begin to Take another step up. And you begin to go, whoa, this is good. Look at the view up here. This is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know I could go further, higher, bigger, further. I can lengthen my cords, strengthen my stakes. This is good. And then God goes, more. What? Yeah, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is the substance of things not the things you've got. So the level I'm on, I've got, but this is not good. God wants me to do more. Okay, God, well, we're going to believe for more souls for the kingdom and to rise up with influence. So, all right, let's go. another. And you get another level. Oh, look at this. This is incredible. Oh, I love what God's doing in my life. And then people who camp out there. See, I'm not a camper. I'm a climber. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going halfway up a mountain. I want to go to the top and I want to see and so whatever level you're at, believe for more. But at the enemy we say, well, this is good enough. I mean, look around. Be, be happy. Be satisfied. Okay. I understand what the Bible talks about that we are not to be this dissatisfaction where we're driven because of the love of money. No, we're driven to finance the kingdom of God, to influence the nation, to rise up and to have leaders in everything from healthcare to politics to business to get. So when we're here, we don't camp out. We go, God, all right. I'm going again. And you keep going, oh, man, I didn't know God could use me like this. I didn't know I could influence for his kingdom. I didn't know that I could write these kinds of checks to churches and orphanages and TV. This is amazing. But every time you hit a new level, guess what happens? That verse rises up. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And where you are no longer requires faith because you have it. And faith is a substance of things hoped for, which is another level. Oh, Leon, this sounds like a lot of work. No, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Try doing nothing and seeing how much work that's gonna cost you. <laughs> when you look at our nation of Canada, yes, we want good government. Yes, we want good health care, But you know who's really dropped the ball? the church of Jesus Christ. You can't change a nation with prayer. That's sacrilegious to say that. No, show me a verse in the new covenant where they changed a city by prayer. Can't find one. What they did was they sent at least one person into it. (laughs) And what did they do? They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as you learn to rise up and use your faith, I'm going to challenge you. In Mark chapter 16, verses 14 and on, Jesus kind of ties into the disciples about their lack of using their faith. And he says, now, come on. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Lay your hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. If you eat any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt you. And he begins to show them this miraculous way of living. But it's not about you just having a bigger house and a bigger car. Bigger house, bigger car. Oh, we got new level. Oh, next level is another house, another bigger He has no problem with stuff. But your focus is not to be stuff. Your focus is to be, according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I got some news for you. If we don't reach Canada for Jesus, Canada will not be a great place for your kids in the future. Why not? Because we live in a democracy, which means everybody has a vote. And looking at the numbers now, we don't even have enough for a majority of Christianity to vote in the things that Canada needs. Who's going to reach the hearts at the grassroots level of a nation? Well, government won't. We want good government. Business won't. We want good business. Education won't, we want good education. It's the church of Jesus Christ that shares the good news of the gospel uh, from cross denominations, every church, every place, getting up and sharing how special and amazing and blessed you are and how Jesus has died for you. And you reach out your arms like Zach was talking about and you love people the way you are and you accept them the way they are because only them and Jesus are going to bring any changes. All I can do is love them with his love until he gets a hold of them and takes him to places he wants them to go. If we do not reach this nation, and use our faith for souls begin to believe God that from the north, the south, the east, and the west people are going to find this church believe God that everywhere you go God's going to open up opportunities to share your faith my dad was one of the greatest uh, teachers in my life he told me when I was just a young kid, he said, Leon, I believe God every day I'm going to share my faith with somebody and change their lives and he did I'd be with him sometimes, and, and we'd travel different places, and I'd see him win four, five, six, seven people a day to Christ. I'd see him, you know, as he's getting his gas pumped, and, and you could just see his antenna, his spidey sense, if you want to call it. You know, just, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? And everything that he was doing, he was always on the lookout. God, what can I do for you today? Sometimes it would just be an act of kindness. Other times, an encouraging word. One time, he was walking down the hallway of this building, and he sees a man sitting in a chair. And we're in a rush to an appointment, so we're both walking fast. Come on, go, 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 go. And all of a sudden, you just see him stop, and I go, oh. And he turns around, and he looks at the guy sitting in the chair, and he knew. You can tell when God was speaking to him because nothing was going to stop it. Mom would make supper, and he wouldn't show up. She'd know he'd be out sharing Jesus with somebody. Turned around, walked over to that man, and he knew he only had no time. He puts his face down, and he goes, do you know Jesus Christ? The guy looks at him, and his eyes got wide, and he goes, why, no. Would you like to know him? The guy says, I really would. And he took his hand and led him in a prayer of giving Christ his life. Said, "I'll I'll be back to talk with you. I just got to go right now today. Turned around and walked out. How did he do that? He didn't. He was just led by the Spirit. That man had been sitting there, his life a mess, crying out to God, God. And some guy walks into his face and says, do you know Jesus? When he begins to guide you and lead you to share your faith and your story with the people around you, he'll show you who to talk to. And if we all don't become soul winners, if we all don't believe that the message of Christ needs to get on the streets, you see, this is not the field. This is a training camp. The field is out there. When you get in your car and you drive out the gates of this church, we ought to have a huge sign that says, you are now entering the mission field. Everywhere you go is mission fields. But so many churches see the church as the mission field. I want a mic, I want a title, I, I want to be this, I want to be the head superintendent, I want to be a pastor, I want, okay. Start looking at the field as a place to use your gifts and the presence of God and the power of God. And let's make a decision here at Springs. We're going to change our cities. We're going to change our country. We're going to just love people. Julian, so I don't know how. It's very simple. Just share your story. As crazy as it is, as messed up or as you were or are or You know as boring as your testimony is i didn't do anything wrong i just found jesus whatever share your story with people and when you do the spirit of god will touch them you see it's not your words that breaks the power of the enemy the bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke it's the presence of God if you can just find someone who would dare share Christ who would dare to share the story of how he changed their lives the presence of God will be all over them and you'll see their heart touched you might not be able to lead them in the prayer then but someone will if we just do our part use your faith To believe God, to see lives change. I know we can believe God for our healing, our finances, our kids, our marriage, our relationship. And you're supposed to. But Jesus said, first of all, seek the advancing of his kingdom, his church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Hell can't stop it. That's why we love his church. Father, today I pray for these amazing people sitting here i pray the veils would come off our eyes for us to realize how incredible you've made us how incredible the journey ahead of us is if we would just believe and father use us as a church to touch our city i pray from the north the south the east and the west they're going to line up at the doors of this church. I pray we'll look for miles down the highway for every service time, and Father, we'll be people wanting to get here. I pray that everywhere one of these springs people goes, Father, that the enemy's gonna be going, oh no, because they're gonna love and they're gonna share the story of how you've changed their lives. Father, we believe you for babies. We believe you for a nation whose hearts are towards you because we're going to share this gospel. In the mighty name of Jesus, touch every heart that hears this message. Amen and amen.